0: So, God's so faithful. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to start there. And, um, you know, this holiday season, as we call it a holiday season, um, you know, really gets lost in, you know, all the pageantry that we see in the United States. And if we don't watch out, we can forget what we're really doing here. And um, the Lord, I remember him saying specifically through the prophet Moses, he said, now listen, these things that I'm telling you, you need to write these down and tell them to your children's children. So before they even get out of Egypt, he's saying, you're going to want to let your children know what I did. You want to keep them in remembrance. There's something about the memory of man that we lack tremendously. Man seems to have a forgetting problem. Uh, So much so that during the old covenant, a lot of memorials were put in place, things they would set up to put themselves again in remembrance of what God had done. Not only could they pass down this through the written word or through generations telling, but then there would also be markers that they had left all over um, the promised land that would be this... uh, You know, again, memorial that that someone could say, this is here because of. But even in the New Testament, in the new dispensation that we're in, and we have the Holy Spirit in us, we still have a memory problem. Because I find it interesting that one of the assignments that the Holy Ghost has when Jesus is talking about him in John chapter 14 is that he will uh, teach us all things, but he will also cause all things to come to our remembrance what Jesus has said. The Holy Ghost has to remind us because if we don't spend time with the Holy Ghost, we're gonna forget. Yeah. I said, we're gonna forget. And I don't know why that is, other than, you know, maybe it's just our natural body breaking down. But we need to stay connected to the Holy Spirit so that we can keep ourselves in remembrance. <clears throat> and there's a lot of good things that take place during these seasons, you know, where you're thinking of others, you're giving towards others. People can do these naturally. But these are types and shadows of what God ultimately did for us. Amen. So Caleb's Club went with our nursing home ministry this weekend and spent some time, you know, uh, ministering to some residents. And man, we're thankful ministry continues on this weekend. We had 78 people in Putnam Correction last night. Reverend Greg was there ministering the Word of God. And so, you know, just because, you know, it's a holiday season and most people, you know. leave or or take time off you know there's still p- things that we need to do to minister to people and I'm thankful for those that partner with anchor faith church allowed these things of ministry to continue on even during yeah. holiday seasons yeah. so we want to put ourselves in remembrance of what this thing's really about and we'll just take time to go through the word um, so that we can glean from the Word of God why it is that we as a nation have this thing called Christmas amen now I'll just let you know Jesus was not actually born on December 25th that's not his literal birthday he was born at a different time this is just we traditionally put ourselves in remembrance of that action and we want to make sure that we do this because if we don't you know the whole generation is gonna come that have no ideas about Jesus because there's another individual that has taken a throne during this time Um, he's spoken of more more movies are about him now Uh, you'll see him around all the time and um, he knows whether you're naughty or nice and he's got a list amen it's funny his attributes you know are almost godlike but there is one who knows whether you're naughty or nice and there's one that's not keeping a list but he does have a book And you wanted your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's important. And he doesn't leave coals if you're bad. If you're bad, you choose to go to another assigned destination, not of his choosing. All right. So we want to focus then what this is really about. Uh, what we would do. But again, if we have an everyday life with Jesus, then we won't be stuck to just December to think about Jesus when he was born, amen? That's why, uh, you know, I'm gonna challenge Pastor Marcus that we ought to have these songs come out more than Christmas. There's some powerful vocals that we should be confessing, period, and we should not uh, leave them just for December uh, 25th service, amen? But in Isaiah chapter nine, starting in verse six, We've read this passage of Scripture before, but it says this, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given. I find that very interesting um, because a child's born, but a son's not. Now, there are other translations that we have in our, uh, that, that are around and, and, and communicate certain things, but uh, in the original text, it is talking about a birth of a child, but the son himself always existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John one one says. And then John 1.14 says, and the Word became flesh, which tells us that the Son of God that's been here since creation, who's always been, came and put himself in a skin suit, what we call a child. Amen. So that's very important for us to recognize because John 3.16, one of the most Quoted verses ever it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. gave his son. In giving his son, his son had to take residence in a earth suit. Yes. Now, you could ask the question, why does Jesus need to come? Because honestly, guys, if we would stop and think for a moment, some of the things that we say traditionally about God just don't carry through if we, if we really believed it. Like God's in control. Well, if God's in so much control, why does Jesus have to come? Why can't God take care of it from the outside realm where he's at our problems down here? Amen. Now, some might conclude, well, he could have, but he, no, he could not have. I'll submit to you, God couldn't do it any other way. This is the only way. That he could have redeemed us. Because God is a God of His Word. Of His Word. And when He speaks, it is the final authority. See, God is not this God that we imagine sometimes in our mind that He can do anything He wants to do whenever He wants to at any time He wants to. That's not true. God's not a man that He should lie. God, God can't lie. So God couldn't lie anytime he wants to. God has no darkness in him. So he can't do evil. He knows what's opposite of him, but he can't be in a part of that and it can't be around him. Are you with me? So then, if God has to send Jesus, then we must ask the question, why does Jesus have to come this way? Because... There's a, a spirit operating in our world that didn't come through a human being. Come on. That's right. And yet they've gained control. Yeah. Right. Hallelujah. Well, God speaks his word. So what is God in control of? He's in control of what he says. Yes. Yes. Amen. This is important. So when he says something, he doesn't violate it. Come on. He doesn't violate it. Amen. We know, according to Scripture... Psalms 24 and verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the the earth. But in Psalms 115 and verse 16, it says, The highest heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. He has given to the sons of men. So let's go back to this Isaiah chapter 9 real quick. It says a child will be born, a son will be given, and then it says, and the government will rest on his shoulders. doesn't say a religion, because Jesus never came to bring a religion. Jesus came to restore that which Adam lost. The only reason Jesus has to come is because Adam lost something. There'll be no reason for Jesus to be clothed in flesh if Adam had not fallen. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. says the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, he, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Then we get to verse 7, and in verse 7, he goes on, and he says this. He says, um, For there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, on the throne of David, are over his what? His kingdom. So, the Lord, God the Father, in order for him to reestablish what Adam lost, he has to send his son this way. Period. Because he's bound to his word. When he gave earth to man, it requires a man to take it back. This is why the words that Jesus said were more troubling to people than him calling himself a son of God was when he, called, he identified himself as the son of man. This was the more troubling statement, being identified as the son of man than the son of God. Why? Because being a son of man is going to give him the right to take back what the devil stole. If we go over to Genesis' account... Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, after God created everything, and it was good, and he's on the sixth day, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let him have what? Let him have. Let him have. Let who have? Man. Let man have dominion, rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky. Over all the earth, over every, uh, over all the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, man would have dominion or rulership over this earth. As God would come in the cool of the day, and He would speak to His man in the spirit, His man then would then in turn f- fulfill the plan of God on the earth that He's been assigned to, and He would um, operate in that rulership there. It wasn't until Adam ate the fruit that the dominion man had left. For the Lord puts man in the garden. He says, from any tree you can eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day you eat, you will surely. And death means separation. Because Adam did not quit breathing that day. This is one of the biggest deceptions there is in life, is that if you're breathing, you're alive. Now, you're alive in your suit. That's true. But you could be spiritually separated from God and still be dead while breathing. In fact, I'd submit to you that all of us, before we knew Christ, were dead breathing. Amen. That's why we have such a, you know, um, uh, uh, a draw to the living dead. Because more people can identify with them. Zombies. Because they're breathing, but they're dead. And they seem to be stronger. That's the misconception. Because when you're alive in Christ, you can't be any stronger. Hallelujah. I was dead in my trespasses and sin, but God, being rich in his mercy, he came down, and when I made Jesus Lord, I left death and I came into life. Amen. I mean, they couldn't do zombie uh, um, movies accurate if you had a real man or woman of God showing up, because the minute they come, they rebuke them in the name of Jesus, and they have to leave. And that's not a good storyline. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but Adam was given choice. Why? Because God gives you choice. You know, I've heard this say, if God was such a loving God, why would he put anybody in hell? He doesn't. They choose to go. He never does. They choose to go, and he gives them their choice. And he won't violate his word that if you're with me, then you're with me. But if you want to not be, then this is the destination for those who do not make me Lord. It's your choice. It's your choice. You say, well, why why would God do that? Because he wants you to love him. He's not forcing you to love him. Hallelujah. So Adam eats the fruit. In fact, in the temptation of Christ by the enemy in the Luke account, said he took him to a high pinnacle, showed him all the kingdoms in a moment of time, all the kingdoms. didn't show him any religions at all. He showed him kingdoms, domains, power, and authority. He said, Jesus, see all this power, see all these governments, see all these kingdoms I rule and reign. He said, I'll give them to you, for they've been handed over to me. Well, where did he get them from? He got them from Adam. Adam, who was made out of the dust of the earth, and the Lord breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he gave that being the earth. So why is it that a child is born? Because God had to legally come into the planet in order to restore what Adam lost. So he came in through his own creation, his crowning creation, man, and he put himself clothed in flesh, the king of glory. Amen. And when he comes down and Adam falls from dominion, he begins to prophesy of this particular seed that will show up through the woman without the help of a man. That means she must be a virgin because man is sin, he's corrupt, and he produces after his own kind now. So we have to get man out of the equation, the male species out of the equation, and we can get a woman... Who will serve god and the holy ghost can take care and and impregnate her so that the seed of man is not in there so that he can become the child without spot or wrinkle that lamb that needs to be slain who can pay the price ultimately for humanity and not just to give them life so that when they pass out of this life into the next they uh, he wants to give them life now Jesus did not come just to give us an exit strategy. Jesus came to empower us now. The good news is to be absent from the body, I'll be present with the Lord. But I want you to know Jesus is not done with planet Earth. Jesus himself is going to take care of planet Earth. Jesus himself is going to come down and rule on this same planet for a 1,000 years. Then after he judges the dead there'll be a new heaven and a new hallelujah and the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven so all of God's creation is going to be back in its original intent he's not forgetting any of it and we'll get to enjoy all of it hallelujah Hallelujah. I can't wait to see the new earth I'm just as excited to see the new earth as I am to see heaven I'm just as excited because I know the planet That we're on today, though it's the same one, it's not operating like it used to in the day of Adam. It's not living up to its full potential. But there's coming a day that we'll see it in its full potential in all its glory. And we'll be a part of it. Hallelujah. So when he speaks that this seed will come, from that day, the earth awaits the arrival of their king. Awaits the arrival. Everything is up to this moment that we celebrate this birth. Everything in the Old Testament is is looking forward to this moment. And man, we don't even get out of the book of Genesis before God finds somebody that he can begin to show himself strong in. He's got to make a covenant with somebody. Notice, if God could do it without man, why is he using us so much? See, too often, if we don't watch out, we're like, well, God's doing everything. God does everything through us. And he's still using us because when Christ died, rose again, and we became born again, Jesus is the head of the church. We're his body, so we are his hands and feet in the planet. And God is using us. Jesus says, the works that I do... greater works will you do because I'm going to him, but you're staying down here, operating the authority that I've given you, the dominion I've given back to you. You do what I did. Hallelujah. That's not a time for us to sit around and say, oh Lord, would you do something? He said, I'm trying to get out and move. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. God always came legal. Look for someone to release his word so he could get behind it. That's why when when, Jeremiah, or when Elijah began to pray that no rain, the Lord said, pray there is no rain. Notice God didn't just stop rain. King Ahab had been disobedient. You think God could have cut out in the middle, man, and just stopped the rain by himself? You think the flood came without a man? God says, woo, Noah, we need to talk because I've got a problem right now. Man, you know, I create them, but they're just a wicked bunch. You know, I'm almost sorry I did so. So I need you to let them know rain's coming. And if Noah never would have told a soul, rain would have never came. That's right. But when Noah started saying, the rain's coming, the rain's coming, the rain's coming, because he released God's word into the earth, God legally came through the man, and he spoke that word. God said, thank you, Noah, build the ark, put your family in. Now here comes the rain. God doesn't operate independent of us. (laughs) It's a fairy tale for you to believe that God's working in mysterious ways beyond you. Now you say, wait a minute, but don't the word say that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts? Absolutely. And that's what he's saying. You think low, think like me. That's why we have the mind of Christ. We have to discover him, but I'm telling you, anything happening in the planet today is because someone discovered what God said and released. Then we've got this other thing. It's called being baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. And in Romans chapter 8, it says, When we don't know how we ought to pray, guess what? God then says, I need your vocal cords to release my plan. And when we begin to pray in the spirit, then we begin to pray out God's perfect will, plan, and purpose into the earth. And guess what it does? It authorizes the king of glory. I said it authorizes the king of glory to move and do what he wants to do in the earth. Hallelujah. And though my mind's unfruitful, many things are happening in the earth today because of the prayers of the saints and and spiritual prayers of the saints. Amen. Amen. Some people may say, but Pastor, that's not for today. I'd have to submit that they're liars. Because when they first hit the planet in Acts chapter 2, Peter said, This is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, even as those who the Lord calls to himself. Or if people are getting born again today, then people are getting filled in with the Holy Ghost today. Period. It's happening. You just have to believe. A person who doesn't make Jesus the Lord of their life, is it because Jesus didn't provide it? It's because they choose not to believe. Same thing with any blessings of God. But because some choose uh, or fail to believe God at his word and accept the alternative, doesn't mean that God hasn't done something. We got to search the scripture. So he finds a guy by the name of Abram. And when he sees Abram, he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You and I, you're a guy that, I, that I'm going to be able to utilize. I need you to believe me. And he said this to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you a father of many. Didn't say he was going to make a religion out of him. Said he was going to make him a father of many nations. Changed his name to mean just that. Right. And from there, he gave birth to a guy named Isaac. Isaac gave birth to a guy named Jacob. Jacob obviously had some tough road when he first started. Ended up leaving home. Because, you know, um, he deceived his dad to get a double portion of the inheritance and his brother was going to kill him. Tough, tough family. And so um, on his way out, um, going towards his his mom's relatives, he goes to sleep and the Lord shows up. And he begins to wrestle with him because Jacob wants all that God has for him. Some of us need to wrestle with God a little bit longer. And so as he finally, you know, gets... The blessing from God, his name has a change, and he's called Israel. And you know, that nation is still here today. Do you understand? His name changes the fulfillment of what God said to Abraham, a father of many nations I'll make you. And that nation is in the earth right now by that name. Now, there are many nations that are still in the earth that came out of Abraham. There are. But let's just deal with Israel. Do you understand our president acknowledging Jerusalem as the capital city uh, doesn't make Jerusalem the capital city of Israel because this right here declared that long before he had a conversation. Have Have you ever noticed that some little piece of property that the boundaries are outlined by this document gets so much conflict? You think they just find something else to do. I mean, just this this conflict alone over Israel ought to be enough for you to believe in their God. But this document right here called the Bible has more manuscripts written to verify its authenticity than any other document on the planet. And God had written out the boundary lines of the nation of Israel long before. Long before the conflicts that we see concerning who owns what now. If we went to this document, we would easily shut out and push back multiple nations. I mean, if you had a document that had your little survey of your property and they didn't want it because they wanted to get on the back and put a little tin up, oh, you don't want to hear that. You'd be like, here's my deed. This is what surveyed. This is my, well, you know, but you know, these people have... See, you think half the stuff going on is just political. It's not political as much as it is biblical. But if we don't read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we won't understand what's political and what's biblical. Because God uses politics. God uses governments all the time. Why? Because he is one. I said he is one. Because God is a government. You can't be a king of a kingdom and say religion. Now, he's the king of a dominion, of a domain, and he owns me. Yes. Hallelujah. So from Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob. Jacob wrestled with the Lord's name is Israel. He has 12 sons. And then from this point on, he creates this nation that's got a lot of people associated with it, so much so that another nation oppresses them by the name of Egypt. And God eventually sends a man by the name of Moses to deliver him. Again, he cannot deliver them without some man showing up. Did Moses turn the Nile into blood? No, but he poured into it. He put his staff where it was supposed to. He did his part. God did his part. God always uses us. Why? Because it's legal access. Is legal access. This should empower you to know that, listen, God can do anything if I would just allow Him legal entrance through me. If I am the legal conduit by which God, in all of His power, that realm of the unseen manifests in the scene. This is why Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be on earth as it is, and it comes through us. Hallelujah. It's our faith in Christ that gets these things to come to pass. We believe the king at his word because where the word of the king is, Ecclesiastes 8, 4 says, there's power, there's authority. Who is the king of glory? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this whole Bible is about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring, as we see in First Samuel, when this nation finally gets into the Promised Land. The Lord had told him through uh, his prophet Moses, and also through his prophet Joshua, and said to them, "Now listen, don't 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 do what the rest of the world does. Don't fall into their patterns. We're not. I'll I operate like that. If you'll obey what I say, you'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out. You'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. Nations will come to you to borrow. You won't have to lend from any nations. You they'll borrow from you and you will just man be so blessed in everything that they'll come to you and say what's going on and you'll tell them about your king but unfortunately in first samuel they decided they wanted to see their king and the lord told samuel in first samuel chapter eight, He said give the people what they want for they've not rejected you but they've rejected me as king i say all this because when we celebrate the birth of christ the nation of israel was waiting for a king to show up When they say Savior, they think the king who will establish rulership and put all other nations at bay. Every other principality and power will submit to his rule. I mean, really, what makes Jesus better than Buddha? What makes Jesus better than Muhammad? What makes Jesus better than Hinduism or any other type of religion out there? If 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 he's only if he's only just deity without kingdom, he is the one in supreme authority. He is the one in supreme authority. So they give him another king. King David's a type of shadow of Jesus. We know this. But then prophets prophesied about this king that would come. We just read in Isaiah. They're all looking for the Messiah. So let's pick it up. In Luke chapter 1. Are y'all with me? Luke chapter 1. So important that we pass this down from generation to generation. I know there's plenty of ways we could build this presentation. Next year, we're talking about doing some children's program where the kids can come up here and communicate the truth, and the parents come out and love it, and it'll be awesome. We're excited. It's going to be awesome. I don't care how we communicate it as long as we communicate it and keep it coming in front. That's what's important. The truth behind why we celebrate what we celebrate. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it said God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to, jo- uh, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, notice, Joseph is a descendant of King David. This is very significant because God just doesn't do what he wants to do. God has purpose in everything he does. And you know, understand, King David, who was anointed, listen, Saul was anointed of uh, the kingdom by Saul, Samuel. In a natural bloodline, Jonathan would have gotten it. Are you with me? It's very significant. The problem is Saul falls from being able to maintain the kingdom and it's ripped from him. The anointing transfers over to David. But David doesn't get the kingdom uh, until he's anointed or he doesn't operate as king, but what I'm saying is he's not even considered king till Samuel anoints him. The word Messiah is the anointed one, which is the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. And so they anointed David with oil, which represented the Holy Spirit coming upon him, and as a result of that, he was able to operate in power. But what I also find very interesting is that David developed a very close relationship with Jonathan, and Jonathan bowed, to David. Now, there are a lot of kings that surfaced in Israel, a lot of them, that weren't out of David's bloodline. There's Judah, we had to split. But Joseph comes from the bloodline, not only on a natural side. There's a spiritual principle here, but there's a natural principle here, and that is that Jesus came through the, the natural bloodline of King David. Are you with me? okay so he promised David that if you'll do what I say you'll have a son that I always reign and David did this now Solomon fell and he didn't get to keep all the kingdom but he was pointing to a seed that would show up later so the so so that through this bloodline he would come saying wait a minute now Joseph didn't have any part to play guess what Mary's in the bloodline too Both sides of them go back to David's bloodline. So whether he's in the adopted household of Joseph or in the womb of Mary, both of them go back to King David. Can I get an amen? All right. Let's go on. It says this, Gabriel appeared to her and said, good morning, you're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her for uh, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and you will call him the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, verse 33. And he will what? Reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This was the conversation about Jesus before he's even in Mary's womb. Yes. Yes. amen. <coughs> Not that he would be the head of Christianity, but that he is the king who will come on the throne of David and there'll be no end to his kingdom. Hallelujah. It goes on and says, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. The baby to be born will be holy and he will... Be called the Son of God. Mary responded, "I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me come true." And then the angel left her. Thank God, Mary didn't try to figure this out. She just believed. Amen. There's a lot of times God has to say a word to us that we can't figure out. We just need to say, "Be it according to your word." Be it according to your word. Be it according. I, I would surmise Mary didn't lay down and worry how she was going to be pregnant. She just believed. Well, I am. Amen. Amen and then she was hallelujah well then we have to deal with the husband because you understand Joseph was betrothed to Mary they haven't actually come together yet, and he finds out she has a child. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says the birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while he was while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Ghost. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now here's the here's the thing. Because Mary um, is pregnant and it's it's gotten out. There's been alleged activity. There is alleged activity. And in the natural, it's going to be very hard to convince anybody that she hadn't been with somebody. In fact, I would surmise that the majority of the people that found out about it did not believe. And was probably shocked Joseph continued to go on with the process. He himself was having a hard time obviously, and he's like, I'm going to break this off, but I don't want her, according to the law, stoned because she's become a harlot, according to the law, and he's going to put her away privately, get her somewhere where she's not, you know, killed. She can have that child somewhere else. But the Lord had a different plan. I said the Lord had a different plan. So it goes on and says this, and God, um, and so uh, while he was trying to figure this out, he had a dream God's angel spoke uh, in a dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will uh, conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then Joseph woke well, and did exactly what the uh, God's angel commanded in the dream, he married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had had the baby. So he continued the course because God was protecting this child because it was Him in the flesh. Well, let's go to the time of birth in Luke chapter um, in Luke chapter two, starting in verse one. It says, "And at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census be taken." Um, throughout the, Ro- the Roman Empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was uh, governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own anse- uh, ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilee town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there when he, he went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to his first child, a son. He, she wrapped him in a blanket, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. It's not that Jesus' parents could not have afforded a place. They were not uh, poor. It's that there was no room. Because of this, census. people were traveling and obviously lived in different regions, but had to go back to, again, their ancestral hometown. Then as a result of that, everything was already booked up. And Mary obviously had to give birth to a child, so they found themselves uh, in um, this location. So she gives birth, and at the time she gives birth, a couple of significant events take place. We see this first one is in Luke chapter 2, in verse 8, where a host of angels show up. A star pops out that night, and it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flock. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid. He said, I bring you good news. What was the good news? That will bring great joy to all people. Next verse. The Savior... We call him the Savior. Why? Because he, he paid the price for sin. He's, he's moved that rebellion out of the way. He's, he's taken on our transgression so that we could take on his righteousness. The Messiah, that is the uh, Hebrew word for the anointed one, this king who would come and set up his kingdom and have no wind. So, in essence, they're telling the shepherds, the king has arrived. The Lord. The one that's in supreme authority, that his word doesn't fail. His word will not return unto him void, but it shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. Has been born today. Hallelujah. This is good news. In Bethlehem, the city of David, this is what you're to look for. (coughs) A baby, excuse me, (coughs) wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger at once the... The angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the the, um, shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord uh, has told us about. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing the shepherds told everyone what had happened, and what the angels had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's sto- story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angels had told them. Now, again, if we were watching a movie, then we would see this scene played out only to move to another scene. And in this other scene, there will be a group of people from a distant land that all of a sudden would have been seeking and looking and waiting for a sign, and boom, a star hits, and they go, that's it. That's the sign. That's the sign. That's the sign. It's time to go find the king. There's the star. That's his star. Pack everything up. Let's go see the king. Go pack everything up. We've been waiting for this moment. Well, the Bible tells us, Later on, as we move over into Matthew chapter 2, that two years later, some wise men show up. But you got to understand that two, these wise men, these people, they um, were aware the very night Jesus was born. So when you do your nativity scene, put the shepherds and Jesus and them in the manger, but then on another shelf, put your wise men. because It's going to take them two years to get there, but they did see him when he was born. Don't put them in the same, put them on another shelf. And then two years later, you can bring, no, okay. <laughs> but on that night, why were, here's somebody not even associated with the nation, not even, not even, uh, uh, not even Jewish people, not even from the covenant nation of Israel. Yet, when that, when the star hits, they're ready to, this is it. Well, we discover. When you actually study these things out. Because when you read the scripture, it doesn't say that just in context. But when you actually study the history of the Bible, you'll know exactly where they came from. They came from a region that we've known as Babylon. And why would these people from an area around Babylon would would be expecting Jesus, the king, to show up? Well, about 500 years earlier, there was this guy that was a captive of Babylon and his name was Daniel, and he was a wise man, given the position of wise man. I mean, he was the top of his class, and he and his, his uh, three other friends, you know, were appointed to do various tasks because of their intelligence. And so what happened was this king that they were under, who had actually, you know, captured their whole nation, had a dream one night and he was disturbed by it. <clears throat> so he went to his wise men, not Daniel, because Daniel wasn't present at the time. Went to some of his wise men as he brought them into his court. And he said, listen, I've had a dream and I need you to interpret. And they said, well, tell us what the dream is, oh, king, and we will, we will interpret. He says, no, I know how you guys are. You're a bunch of liars. Because what I'll do if I tell you to dream, then you'll just come up with an idea together and you'll tell me that's what it is. And I don't know that that's what it is and I won't be convinced of that. So I need to make sure I get the right interpretation. So you need to tell me my dream and then tell me the interpretation. Now, the wise men were present in the court said, oh, king, this no king has ever asked this of their wise men. It's impossible for us to tell you your dream and then interpret it. And the king was furious at that response. So furious, he said, every wise man that is in my kingdom will die unless somebody can do what I say. Now, notice, he's a king. He gave a decree. That's the bottom line. There's only one condition to get you out. Somebody's got to get the dream and interpret it. Well, when they went to Daniel's house, because he's a wise man, and went to grab him and says, the king's order for all of you to be killed. He says, on what grounds? Well, he's had a dream. He wants y'all to tell him the dream and interpret it. And if no one can do that, everyone's going to die. He says, you go tell the king that I'll get him an answer. Don't kill anybody. Now, he said that in faith. He went back in, got his three friends. He said, let's pray and see if God will allow me to have this dream. And so they began to seek the Lord. And sure enough, God gave him the dream. So when they bring Daniel before the king, he says, go tell him I got it. He he stood before the king with all the wise men. Because you know they don't want to die. Right? They don't want to die. And so Daniel says, oh, great king. I just want you to know, first and foremost, before I talk to you about your dream and this interpretation, that I'm not smarter than anybody else. I could not have studied any way that could have got this to happen. I'm just like everybody else in here that you want to kill. But I want you to know there is a God in heaven, and he's given you the ability to have this kingdom. And it's him and him alone that's given me this dream and the interpretation of the dream. Now, let me tell you what went down in your dream. You had it, there was an idol, and it was gold here, and it was silver there, and it was bronze here, and it was iron there, and it had iron and clay there. Man, he was like, What? He said, And all these different layers, man, they represent different kingdoms coming down range, man. Wow. He said, But then you saw this rock, a rock made without hands. Who is the rock that was made without hands? Who is the chief cornerstone? Whew. He said, That rock's going to come made without hands, and it will the feet of that idol, and turn all of those kingdoms into dust, and they'll just blow away. But now that rock, it grows, and 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 it grows grows so much till it eventually takes over the whole planet, becomes a great mountain. This is what's going to take place. He says, Daniel, your God's the only God there is. Man, we're going to worship your God. You got it dead. And don't you know all those wise men? Like, you better write that down, what that man just did to save our life. You better write that down. And you know, they went, Daniel, tell us about this, this, this kingdom that's a rock made without hands. And he began to share with him about the prophets of this child that would come, this child that would be born, this king that would manifest, this king of glory that his that King David used to shout about. And then the captivity was done. And Persia came in. The next one came in. The next came, but these wise men held to these documents. For 500 years of saying, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And then in the fullness of time, these wise men that had been passed down from Gen About 500 years later, there's the star. And they packed their stuff and they took off. And so in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, and that about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. When God, when, when word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. Not ter- not Herod alone, but most of the Jerus- most of Jerusalem as well. Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and religious scholars in this in the city together and asked, "Where is the Messiah supposed to be born?" Now, notice in verse two, they said, "We want to find the newborn King of the Jews," and King Herod, who is, who is, a Jewish man. Calls him the Messiah. So you understand, every time you read your Bible and you read Messiah, that's King. That's King. He said, Where's the Messiah supposed to be born? And they told him, Bethlehem, Judah territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly It is you, Bethlehem, in Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear, for a ruler will come from you, whom will be the ser- uh, shepherd. Um, for all people Israel, when Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, he leaned, learned from them the time when the star had first appeared. Then he said, Go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared again, the same star they had seen in the eastern sky. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they what? what they do? They bowed down. That's what you do before a king. They bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened up their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. God knew Herod had malice in his heart, So much so that God told Joseph, Mary, take Jesus, leave, get out of here, because somebody wants to kill your son. King Herod, when he found out, wait a minute, these guys didn't come back. They didn't do what I said. Go back into Bethlehem, kill every child, two and under, so we can eradicate this king. From that moment, Jesus' life was marked, and the enemies come after him to kill him. I'm thankful that Jesus said, The only person who has authority over me is what my Father's given. He said, do you understand this? I have the authority to lay my life down to take it back up. At this point, from this time, Jesus grew up and found favor with both God and men. He only did what his, his Father in heaven told him to do. For Jesus knew his purpose and that his purpose was to destroy the works of his enemy, the devil, and restore God's kingdom to all mankind. Through his sacrifice of death and power of his resurrection, all who call on the name, the name of Jesus, are saved. If our worship team would come, I want us to take time to move into communion because it's very important that as we recognize the birth of our king, we understand that he came to reestablish his kingdom on the earth. And I'm so thankful that my king laid down his life, but then he picked it back up. What's so awesome about my king is that my king did what was necessary so I could get in his kingdom, and now he's still alive to make sure I get everything that's in his kingdom. That I'm robbed no longer. That I'm robbed no longer. He makes sure. And that same spirit that was here at the beginning of creation lives inside me. He's been here from the beginning. He's an eyewitness account of all the historical information we have Contained in the word of God. And he lives in me. Hallelujah. And so, we need to recognize that when the Bible says that we're saved, according to Ephesians, it's the gift of God. Translators add the word free gift. But the original translation literally says that he's the gift of God. And this gift that we receive, we receive it not of our own effort or because we deserved it or we earned it, but it's just God's gift to us. (coughs) And we open this gift through a confession of faith. When my kids come over on Christmas Day, I've got my sons a gift that I am jacked to give to them. I mean, I've been really excited since we bought it. And um, I can't wait to see their faces, but they'll have to open it up to receive it. You just don't get a gift just to hold it. You have to open it up. That's your part. Jesus did his part, but you have to open it up by faith.